0: Thank you so much uh, for having me as a substitute uh, for your pastor, even if I'm a very shallow substitute, but still. Uh, Please turn your Bibles to uh, uh, the uh, the letter uh, to the Ephesians, chapter 1. I got a great advice, I, I arrived yesterday to the state so I, I was advised not to fall asleep in the midst of my, my talk uh, and advise you to do the same. Uh, I hope I will be able to make something for it. Uh, so chapter one uh, of the Ephesians uh, is a remarkable chapter, it's a, really a long prayer. Uh, on Paul's part, uh, f- uh, from verses three to the end of the uh, uh, to the end of the chapter, verse uh, twenty-three, it's a long prayer, and this is a prayer we can learn much uh, from. It's a prayer uh, which shows us the priorities, uh, and that's why I chose this chapter for uh, f- for tonight. And uh, I would like especially to concentrate on the latter half of this chapter, verses 15 to 19. And uh, I would like uh, to explore with you uh, how we should pray for others, especially for other Christians. What the Bible teaches us, how we should pray when we pray for others. So first I I will read these four or five verses so, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, 15 to 19. And if you have your Bible, please uh, read it with me. I know that it's, it's up there, but that's the real thing. So, if you have it in your, your hands, that's, that's, that's even better. So, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And here I stop. So though our our topic is how to pray for others, we shall uh, look to the first part of this prayer as well. Because what is important that when Paul starts to pray, he, in, in in the first part, in the longer part of his prayer, he praises God. It's an adoration from verse three uh, till fourteen. It's a long adoration, two sentences in the in the in the Greek, and uh, and, and it's a fascinating read. It's fascinating because what Paul does that he gives praise uh, for God's redemption. And we live in a world, and we live uh, in an in, in era of Christianity uh, when often salvation is reduced to the question, how can I go to heaven? But if you read Paul's praise for God's redemption, you will see that salvation, redemption is much more than that. It's not just, you know, a guide. How can I go to heaven? But it points us to the triune God's work in our life from eternity to eternity. And it really enlightens us. It shows us the greatness, the breadth, the width of God's work. Uh, It shows us that uh, God predestined us. To be be chosen in Christ. That God called us to live a holy and blameless life. That God uh, ordered that his son gave his life for us. So that we can uh, be free from guilt. And we can have forgiveness of our trespasses. It shows us that uh, the Lord's redemption means that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and, uh, and we have a future to look forward to. So it's, it's much more than just the question or an answer to the question, how can I go to heaven? We, we need to see that God's redemption encompasses all of our life, all areas of our life, not just our future. This is the first thing that Paul does. And it's, it's very good to, re, uh, to remember that. That whenever we pray, uh, it's good to start with praise. It's good to start with adoration. But after that, Paul turns his attention to the church in Ephesus. Uh, and Paul starts to pray for the church in Ephesus. But even then, Paul is not asking first. So uh, as we study these five verses, I really want to do this under two headings: First, the importance of giving thanks for each other, and then the priorities in our uh, prayer. But first, I really want to emphasize to you how important it is that when we pray for others, start with uh, giving thanks for God's work uh, in, in others' life. If you, if you see, it's, it's verses 15 and 16. And, and Paul says this, that because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks. Giving thanks was an important element in Pro- Paul's prayer. Uh, how we do pray for each other. How we do that. Whenever we see that there are necessities, there are needs, there are problems, there is sickness in someone's life, how do we pray? And if you are like me, uh, usually then you, you will rush to, the, to get to the point. Uh, you will rush to, to pray for the problem, uh, for the problem to be solved. And, and we think that that's the main goal. But Paul makes us stop and think a bit about that. Because he starts not with supplication, not with asking, but he starts with, uh, with giving thanks. He starts uh, uh, with that. And, and, and you may ask, why is that important? Why is that important that I shall give thanks for the other's life, for the work that God is doing in his life? And you know, the answer is simple, very simple. Three times in the uh, first part of his prayer, Paul stresses that the goal of our life, the chief end of man, is to glorify God, to be for his praise, to be to the praise of his glory. That's our goal. That's our chief end. Everything we do, even in our prayers, we shall have uh, praising God as our chief hand. And so he gives thanks. Because when we give thanks for the good in others' life, we are praising not the person, but we are praising the God who is working the good things in his life. And we need to, to understand that. Paul doesn't want to pass this. Doesn't want to miss this. He wants to see the good things in, 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 in the other, other's life because it's, it's a form of, of praise. It's a form of adoration because you can turn this to, to glorify our, our, our trying God. But uh, how can we do that? And uh, in these two verses, 15 and 16, you will see that there are three conditions uh, of thanksgiving. And you will see that Paul had open ears, he had a soft heart, and he had an iron will. Three things that are important if you would like to pray well for each other, and if you would like to give thanks well for each other. Uh, we need to have open ears. You see, that's, that's how, how Paul starts this. For this reason, because I, I have heard of your faith. Paul heard things about the church in Ephesus. He knew the Ephesian Christians. uh, And it might seem seem, uh, as a a very simple thing. Of course, Paul heard things and then he prayed for that. But it means that he was interested in the church in Ephesus. As he was interested in the church of Corinth and the church of Rome and the church of Jerusalem. And we can go on and on. Uh, In the epistles, we see how Paul maintained contact with churches and Christians. It was not a passive thing on his part, just to hear some news, hear some stories about churches, but it was an active obedience. He wanted to know about other Christians. He wanted to know about missionaries. He wanted to know about churches. He wanted to know what's going on there. What are their joys? What are their problems? What are their struggles? He maintained friendships and uh, relationships with with his uh, fellow ministers. So he had open ears because he, he was determined to know about the church. You can't give thanks for those whom you don't know. You can't give thanks for people you don't know anything about. And so that's a great lesson that we should be interested in each other's lives. And whenever we hear things from, from the other lives, we need to turn it to, to prayer and praise. But Paul not only had open ears, he had a soft heart. Because when the news reached, news of, of the church in Ephesus reached his ears, what did he see? I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. So he said that, uh, I hear many things. And you know that the church in Ephesus was not a perfect church. It's not that everything was, was, it was in order there. It's not that there were no problems, no bad teaching, no uh, ethical issues, No. That's not the case. But still, he remembered the good things. He remembered the things that the Lord worked among them. He remembered their faith. He remembered their love toward others. And so it means that Paul had a soft heart. He could see the good uh, in the others. Yes, he probably saw all the problems, all the issues, but he also saw the good things. And you know, that's what he did earlier in, uh, in, in uh, uh, Corinth. It's fascinating uh, how he begins the, the first uh, uh, Corinthians. You know that this was the problem church. This was where almost in all areas there was some big problem in fellowship, in teaching, in ethical issues. This church was a mess. But still, how does he begin his letter? Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 1.4 I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge. Wow. You were able to give thanks even for the Corinthian church which teaches us that, that whenever we pray for other Christians, we also need to have a soft heart to see the good that the Lord is working amidst them. Even if their life is very problematic, if they are Christians, there must be some work of God uh, in their lives. And we need to see this work in order not to diminish the, the, the Lord's work and the Lord's doing uh, so that we can lift up the Lord's name and praise him. But uh, thirdly, Paul not only had open ears and a soft heart, he had an iron will as well. Because that's how he concludes the, the thanksgiving section. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. You see, that's a commitment. Paul was committed not ceasing to give thanks for you. It was, uh, it was his determination that I need to give thanks for them. I, I, I need to pray for them. I need to remember them in my prayers. You know, we don't know whether uh, Paul had a, a prayer list or not, but he, were, he was able to track all The issues going on in the churches. He was able to remember the Ephesian church, the Corinthian church, the church in Rome, and so on. He tracked all these things. He had a very determined, very strong will that he will remember these churches and these Christians in his prayer. He had a structure, he had a system. He remembered them constantly. And so he was able to give thanks for his fellow Christians. He was able to give thanks for the work that the Lord was doing uh, uh, among them. And so he, he turned all this information to the praise of our glorious Lord. So we need to learn from that. But then, and that's our uh, uh, second section, Paul started to, to, to pray for them. After the thanksgiving, he started his supplication. And this is also very informative. It, it uh, sets our priorities right. How shall we pray for each other? And again, we, we would say that that's easy. We hear that someone is sick, then uh, we will pray for his recovery. Somebody lost his job then we will pray uh, for him or her to get a new job. Somebody has family issues, then we will pray for that. But you will see that Paul's prayer is a bit different from that. In the center of Paul's supplication for for others, there is one main uh, thing. What is he praying for? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So that's kind of Paul's very uh, uh, detailed Greek language. But what does it mean? It simply means that Paul prayed that the Ephesian Christians may know God. He prayed for the knowledge ...of God in their lives. That was his main uh, prayer... ...that they would grow in the knowledge of the true God. And it's good to be uh, reminded of that. Paul is really asking for a spiritual eye surgery. Look at at verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul asks that we should see things differently... Paul doesn't ask for a change in their circumstances. Paul asks for a change in their heart. Paul doesn't pray for health, for wealth, or happiness. But what he says that the most important thing is to pray for is not a change in my circumstances, but a change within me. That I will change. That I will see things differently. That I will know this God. And, and, and you see, that, that's very important. And, and I hope you don't misunderstand me. Paul is not calling for a, fa- a fatalist mindset. He doesn't say that it's wrong to pray for physical health or for a change in our situation. Of course, these are good uh, uh, prayer points. But Paul here shows his priorities. Is anyone sick? Yes, it is important that he will become healthy. It's important that he will recover. But even more important, that he will patiently bear his weakness. Is somebody, or has somebody lost his job? Yes, it's important to pray for a new job. But even more important than why he is in this very difficult situation, he will have a knowledge, a trust in God who who will set everything Uh, right what Paul asks for that we should see more sharply that the hands of of my faith would hold Christ more firmly that's what he is asking for changes in our circumstances only last for this life but changes in my my spiritual uh, life will uh, follow us in eternity so How shall we pray for each other? What shall we pray for? And God, uh, I'm sorry, Paul says us three things. It's all under the heading of of knowing God. And he says that that we should pray that the other person uh, will know the hope of his calling, will know his glorious inheritance, and will know the greatness of God's power that is working in him. This is the three pray points he has, he has in verses 18 and 19. How can we know God? How can we know God more fully? And Paul says that first, if you know the hope of your calling, if you know the hope to which God called you, we are to see the life God called us for and to. And, and you might remember, that's a, that's a good uh, Bible study. Just, just uh, look for the verses where, where it speaks about our calling. What is the life God called us for? And, and you will, you will uh, find verses like Romans 8:29, That uh, God called us for Christ-likeness. You will see like Ephesians 1, 4, where it says that God predestined us for a holy life. He called us to be holy and blameless. Galatians 5.13, God, God called us to be free from sin. Colossae, Colossians 3.15, God called us for a life to be peaceful. Ephesians 4.1-3, God called us to maintain the unity uh, in the spirit. First Peter 2.21, God called us for a life to suffer for Christ. And there are many other verses. This is just a reminder that God called us for a life that is in Christ, that will mirror Christ, that will follow Christ, that in this life, uh, Christ will be portrayed and we will become more and more like Him. And why is that important? Because when temptations arise, when there, is, when there are hardships in your life, you need to remember your calling. That your calling is not, for, uh, not to love, though God may bless you with that. Your calling is not necessarily for health, though you may have a healthy life. But your calling is to be Christ-like. And yes, sometimes you will suffer for that. Sometimes your dreams will collapse. Sometimes hardships will come. But even though you have this calling to be like Christ. And when you pray for others, please pray in this way. Pray that even amid suffering, they will be like Christ. They will, be, they will remember this calling. Our calling uh, from eternity to eternity to be like Christ. But then Paul goes on and says that we need this eye surgery. We need this spiritual eye surgery. Not only to to see more sharply our calling, but also to see more sharply our inheritance. That's that's, uh, verse 18. Uh, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Paul says it's very important that you see the future. That is ahead of you. You see your inheritance. You see what is uh, lying in front of you. Yes. We will be like Christ. We will share in his glory. In his presence. We will share in the blessed fellowship with the saints. And we need to pray for that. Whenever we pray for each other. Please pray for that as well. That we we'll see clearly where we are heading. That this world is now not our end, not our uh, uh, end of our life, but but we have a much more glorious inheritance. Whenever a brother or sister fights with the temptations of this world, one of the most effective prayers is that God would remind him of his glorious inheritance. That there is more with Christ than it is in, in this world. That the riches of this world cannot be compared to the riches of Christ and our inheritance. So Paul prays for this. Have a clear sight to see what is ahead of you. And thirdly, Paul prays that we Christians and the Ephesian Christians shall remember the greatness of God's power in us. That you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. If our calling shows the past, if our inheritance shows us the future, then God's power shows our presence. We live as Christians in God's power and grace. And God's power is immeasurably great. And again, whenever we pray for each other, we need to pray that our brothers and sisters will see that, that there is no temptation that is greater than his power. There is no adversary that is mightier than our God. There is no problem beyond our God's reach. We live in his power, in the greatness of his power, in the immeasurable greatness of his power. He is the God, and we are blessed to know him. We are blessed to, uh, to, to live in fellowship with him. We are blessed with his power, with his might, with his grace, with his love, with his wisdom. And so we should, we should be encouraged. We should see this more clearly. We should we should pray in this way for for each other. So, the dear Christians, remember this. Uh, there is much more in our prayers. Uh, we we can learn so much from these verses. Yes, always start with thanksgiving. Always lift up the work of the Lord in in each other lives but then pray for the more important things pray for the spiritual change in our lives that we we can see clearly our calling our inheritance and the power which we are blessed in this life in christ by his grace amen